Welcome to the Skyrocket Education Podcast. Featuring Michael Sonbert and Antonio Vance. They've coached, trained, and partnered with thousands of teachers and school leaders from over 100 cities and eight countries around the world. They've seen everything, and they're here to share that with you. Get ready for the most honest, no BS, totally unfiltered education podcast around. Buckle up for informal observations. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Education. I'm Michael Sombert, the founder of Skyrocket, here, as always, with our chief schools officer, the good doctor, Dr. Antonio Vance. Antonio, it's been a while. How are you, man? I was about to say that. It's been a while, Michael. It's been, things have been busy. Things are great and good to catch up and let's have a good conversation today. I'm excited. Yeah, this is our first podcast in probably a month, and we've had it scheduled for a while. But man, this school year is uh, is not going away without a fight, and so we've been uh, eyeball deep with uh, with schools and school leaders, and so I'm psyched for us to just have a chat. In fact, that was what I said right before I hit record. I said, "F it, man, let's just let's just have a conversation, <laughs> right?" <laughs> Um, so before we dive into tonight's con- conversation, uh, and we're calling tonight the science of success, and I know your background is science, so you'll probably argue that we're not going to really talk much about actual science tonight, but we're going to talk about at least the idea that, um, like that being really good at things, um, that there actually is an art to it, um, that there's uh that there are best practices people will often act like being really successful at things is just a matter of luck um and being successful at being successful or being good at being good is not um is not luck right that it's the same as being a a plumber or a mechanic and so we're going to spend some time talking about that tonight. I'm sure some of you will email us and tell us we're totally wrong, which is fine. But before we get into that, Antonio, big news. We are going to see each other in person tomorrow Oh yeah, for the first time in 16 months. Crazy. In Philadelphia. We're having dinner. We usually do our three questions with Dr. Vance. We'll start here. Antonio... Um, I'm buying dinner tomorrow because I haven't seen you in ages. What, what, what do you want to eat tomorrow night? What's the cuisine that you are? I mean, if you're buying, (laughs) I'm going to go all out. Um, no, I think, uh, you know, Philly has some amazing food and amazing restaurants. So I, I mean, normally I would get a cheesesteak, but if you're going to be buying, I got to go with, you know, Royal. Ooh, and look, I love this. One of my favorite restaurants is Sampan. Yeah. Um, Fusion. I mean, they have the best Brussels sprouts on the wor- in the world. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So, like, I'm down for whatever. Um, nice, but we... Nice, too. Yeah. We, well, you know that there's a, a, a cheesesteak at Barclay Prime Steakhouse that costs $100. Have you heard about this? No, but I'm interested now. <laughs> I've never had it, and we're not going to have it tomorrow, by the way. Uh, but apparently, they put like gold. Uh, it has like gold shaving on top of the on top of the cheese or on top of the steak. Oh, 
Michael, which it's been 16 months. We got to get a golden cheesesteak, man. Well, at first I thought that um, at first I thought that sounded crazy. And also like you can eat gold. But do you remember the liquor from when you were younger, gold schlager that had gold chips in it? Yes, I threw it up. <laughs> you threw it up. Yeah, I probably did as well. So maybe it's something like that. I don't know that it's worth a hundred bucks, but um, yeah, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> well, we'll we, we shall see. We do we do have to order a bottle of wine oh, yeah. and see who the waiter uh, or waitress uh, brings it over to. If you've listened to one of our previous episodes, you know that that's a debate we have. I think that this is a sexist construct and that they just bring it over to the man. Um, but what do they do if it's two men? Um, and so I'm interested to see what happens with that. We will report out. By the way, do we have a pass? We've had some people. We had a password on our last show. Do you have a password tonight for tonight's show? And so when people say they listen to the show, we can say, really, what's the password? Do you have a password? Let's go with Gold Schlager. <laughs> Let's go with Gold Schlager. All right. So the password for episode 13, which is what you are listening to, is Gold Schlager. Um, it's funny because a lot of people probably listening are, they, they probably won't believe that we haven't seen each other in so long because we do work so closely together. But um, with us being in different cities for the whole pandemic and with schools and, and rightfully so not opening up to guests until very recently. Um, and then when, when we are in schools, we don't work with the same leaders. And so we've been in schools for the last couple months, or at least last month and a half or so, but we still are not, our paths aren't crossing. So it's pretty, pretty cool that we'll be seeing each other for the first time tomorrow. I, I think um, we, we're going to get some work done tomorrow. We're also going to get a buzz on. We're going to get some work done tomorrow. Sam Pan, as you said, is loud and dark and lots of small plates on your table and probably hard to write in a notebook. So probably not Sam Pan. Maybe we'll get a cheesesteak, but not a $100 one. We shall see. We'll report out on episode 14 um, and see what we uh, what we wind up coming up with. That's good. I'm excited. What, um, yeah, me, me as well. What, um, talk to me, man. School year, it's, it's, uh, it's early June, June 8th. What is something you learned this school year uh, oh. about anything? Right? Huge question. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I've learned... <laughs> mountains and mountains as i'm sure everybody has yeah I think the one thing that i have taken away is the idea of resilience which i think we all knew that like teachers are resilient and students are resilient but just to actually like pressure test this um in an in a way that wasn't like an experiment where all the safety things were in place like to actually see um, leaders and teachers rise to an occasion that there was no plan to do that. Yeah. It inspires me that we can do just about anything. And I think about the work that I've done when, you know, even talking when John Bomber was on the show before and the difficult work um, around changing schools um, and using innovative techniques and doing things that we hadn't practiced and thought that we could do before and actually like we can do it like the the sky is the limit in education and i'm i think that's the most exciting thing right now is that we can do anything and that it, everything is possible and resilient and we are resilient the other thing that i learned that is not educationally relevant is that it is extremely difficult to take care of plants 
I, <laughs> and I, we're going to talk about this a little bit today, um, but, you know, I thought it would be easy. And I see people with like plants and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, I could be a plant daddy. I could take care of some plants. and Like I struggling, bro. Like I thought this would be really simple and I could, you know, water them every now and then do a little conversation, you know, for the, you know, the pandemic, no pets. I figured, you know, this would be a way to entertain myself in the last several months. Um, I have, I've really been struggling, um, with my, with my plants. So this was something new for me that I got a chance to do. And if anybody has any green thumbing advice, I will happily take it, but most of my plants are dead. <laughs> Why do yeah, I have a, there's a wake of, of, of dead plants in my, in my, uh, in my history, in my past, oh, not, not, not that I bought, but that, uh, people bought. Uh, or that I, I it was dating, I'd be dating a woman and she got a plant. Why do people, why, you're making me, th I've never thought about this. Why do people buy plants? I mean, it sounds like you said that they're like a replacement for, could be a replacement for a pet, but like, yeah. it's like, why do, like, I'm actually thinking about, like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be smug here. Yeah. Why do people buy plants? It, why do you, what, what does it do? It's an additional responsibility. It's something you have to care for outside of yourself. Um, and, you know, like, for example, there's like this big rush of people buying pets and dogs, right? Because people want to fill that void, um, especially yeah. by themselves. So it, it plants are like an additional thing that require care and attention um, outside of yourself. So maybe they want you to be less selfish um, and, and spread the love to, to other living things. Man, um, I am... I am, I've never thought about this before. I think having, like, buying a plan is, it, it doesn't make any sense to me now that I'm thinking about it. And I'm not saying it in a judgmental way. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't, we've talked about this. I don't drink coffee, but I get why people do. Right? Like, I like I, I, I get it. I totally get it. Sounds like it's delicious. Gives yeah. you some energy. I don't, I'm now, I'm thinking about it. I don't know why anybody would have a plant. And I've ha I have plants in my house right now. And I don't know why they're here. And, uh, Take care of them. yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I have three very little children. So the idea of like, I don't need to have a fucking plant to feel, <laughs> to feel like I have responsibilities. Um, anyway, if you own plants, if you love plants, please don't, don't write me angry letters. I'm sorry. Um, I have learned so much like yourself. One thing I want to share, my my, uh, my wife's cousin, Tony, uh, who's one of my favorite people in the whole world, who's actually a, a, a big a big listener of the uh, of the show. Um, she's a teacher up in Rock, Rochester, New York, and she came by here last week. Um, she was on a trip down to New Jersey to go to the beach with some friends. And uh, I asked her about this school year and she said, she said teaching uh, teaching the kids in person and also kids at home is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And then she said something that I think is like the the if you want to know about teachers and you want to know about educators, this is the line. And she said, you I, I always felt like I was neglecting someone. Oh, yeah. and, and I think. Um, like that, that is that that's educators, you know, People think uh, of teachers very often as like, oh, you get a lot of days off, you get your summers off, you get like, 
you know, they think it's like eight to three, not understanding that, you know, it's 5.30 a.m. until 11 o'clock at night often and all day Sunday and um, that it, folks don't get what it's like to have to, not have to, but to get to, get to but what it's like to, to do like, you know, five hours of or six hours of or back to back to back to back to back, basically like oral presentations while also managing um, all the needs of all the children in the room from uh, I need to use the bathroom to I need yesterday's work to I have a bloody nose to hey, do you, you know, like um, and then you hear uh, someone like my, my wife's cousin say that, uh, through all that, like that her big that the big challenge was that she always felt like she was neglecting somebody or it was impossible not to neglect somebody. It really just tells you, I think, all you need to know about about educators and about what what's in the what's at the in the heart of what's in the hearts of the people who do this work. Yeah, Michael, that's really touching. I mean, as a teacher, we I, I mean, I remember those days, right? You're always constantly worried about did I reach everyone? Did am I leaving anyone behind? Is you know what more? What more can I do? Even in this you know craziness um, of last year, you know, every educator. Um, probably thought to themselves, what more can I do given the constraints of what's happening? So. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, that's, that's the first thing, man. There's something else. I got to share this. This is, the, this is the best thing I've heard in ages. Um, my, my wife, I've probably told you this, but I don't think I've told the audience that my wife celebrates every holiday. And she marked, I mean, every... I mean, she knows about holidays that I've never even heard of. She, I mean, there are days, I mean, and I'm not even talking about, it goes beyond holidays. She's like reading a book to the kids about Rosa Parks one day. I'm like, oh, cool book. She's like, yeah, it's Rosa Parks' birthday. We're celebrating it. Like, she's just like, she, like, from Arbor Day to and she has all these i mean she knows jewish holidays that i'm telling you that rabbis don't know about um she was taught teaching the kids about eid eid mubarak which was a couple weeks ago every my wife everything there's somebody honking uh, they're doing not just the, the regular honk but they're doing the like the beep 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 <laughs> they, they like the holidays but my wife is a all the holidays and all the days that she commemorates and all the all the different special events and all the all the different um, things that she she like uh, you know makes important for our family. Uh, Christmas is her thing, right? Uh, and she loves Christmas, and our Christmas tree goes up um, right after the day after Thanksgiving. She tries to get it up earlier. I, I battle with her. And then it stays up uh, through January. In February, she puts hearts all over it, so it becomes a Valentine's Day tree. In March, she puts shamrocks all over it, so it becomes a uh, a St. Patty's Day tree. In April, it's Easter eggs. Our Christmas tree is up, no joke, six months a year, uh, which I, I, I used to think is insane. I still think it's a little bit insane, but... Um, but she has Christmas music going all year round. 
Uh, and even right now, uh, it's June 8th. If I go downstairs, you can hear, you'll hear Christmas music in my house. And so I said to her, probably about three weeks ago, in like a snarky, just totally unsupportive way, um, listening to Christmas music uh, on a Saturday or whatever, I said to my wife, she, this is the best, she gives me the best answer of all time. I said to my wife, why? I said, Gina, why are we listening to Christmas music? It's, it's May. And she says five words I'll never forget for as long as I live. And if you want to shut Michael Sombert up in five words, this is, this is how you, this is what you could say. So why are we listening to this? It's, it's, it's the end of May. She says, because it makes me happy. Mm. And I'm like, oh, like, like, oh, I have nothing to say. I have no response. I am, I am stunned. I, I've been, I've been hit by, by, by a lightning bolt in the form of the, the best response of all time. And uh, I was like, oh, got it. And I just like, it totally changed my, my attitude. I, I went from like judgmental to just like really like inspired and, 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 and moved. But I thought to myself and I, I told her, I told, I, I told her later, I like circled back to her. I'm like, it's the best thing I've ever heard. And thank you. And like, uh, I just, I love that, that perspective. And um, I've been thinking about it a lot in the work we do because, uh, you know, like this work is really challenging and we get that. And pandemic aside, not that it's it's easy to put that aside, but there are lots of people who are doing a lot of work that they're not happy about. Yeah. And I really, you know, it's not it's not our place to to tell people what to do with their lives, right? We can coach people with for, on what to do in schools, but man, it really just hit me, right? Like this 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 pandemic, just the, the a year long plus shutdown to like. And tragedy, yeah, of course, and, and you know, so many people lost so much. Um, but on the other side of that, like, I think this is a great opportunity for people to, to like, really decide, like, what makes you happy and do that. Uh, and I had a call with a school leader earlier today. I didn't even share this with you. And she's like, I'm, I'm leaving my job. Mm. I'm leaving. She's going to a different school. She, she just, like, she doesn't like her boss. Um um and they they can't get along and they can't figure it out and it's at this point it's it's irreconcilable and it's like i i i don't know if she wanted me to say you should stay i don't know if she wanted me to i said i said do what do what makes you happy i mean i, I gave her a little bit of coaching beyond that but like do what makes you happy because like otherwise what are you what are we doing this for you know what you love absolutely you know that's the um uh, the the quote for we work do what you love and is it yeah yeah aren't they like going going out of business or something Michael look let's just stick with that <laughs> <laughs> but that's true I heard that like is that are they they're in like financial trouble right uh yeah yeah they're definitely in financial trouble now um they were before but you know what they want to inspire people to do what you love. And I, I remember that quote always, and it's it's something that's important. So I'm with your wife. Let's play the Christmas music year round. Let's do it. I uh, I I there are people listening to this right now. Like I just think we had a um, and we'll move on after this. But we had a call with our friends from um, uh, Liberated 
uh, a while back. I, I had a call with them. And I was helping them. They were helping me, rather, problem solve um, something that was happening with a leader in a school. And there were some equity concerns. And um, Clintel from Liberated gave me some great coaching about what I could share with this person. And um, she said, and I'm paraphrasing here. So Clintel, if you're listening call me and let me know if I if I misquoted you, but I think this is accurate. She said, you know, this person has three options. Um, th th they didn't create the problem and it's not their responsibility to fix it. It is their responsibility to advocate for themselves. Uh, and so that's the first piece of coaching, right? They, they, they need to advocate for themselves in this in this situation. And if not, number two, then they need to understand the environment in which they're working and be okay with things not looking exactly how they want it to look. So if you're going to be, if you're not going to advocate for yourself and you're just going to say, we've, I've had jobs like this where I'm like, my boss is a nightmare. I hate it here, but you know what? I'm going to stay here for the next six months or, or maybe longer. But you've got to be okay with the way things are at that point because it, 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 otherwise you're, you're just eating yourself up right? You're just eating yourself alive, right? Like, uh, because you're stressed out about this thing, um, or frustrated or whatever the, whatever the term is. Um, but then option three is that you leave, that you leave the role. And I know that there are people listening to this right now. And lots of people who probably aren't who, who you and I both know, who are in, who don't advocate for themselves the way they should or could, who don't resign, and I get that folks have to put money on the table, and, and, and I totally get that. Um, but but who are not doing that second bucket, which is like, yep, that's just the way it is right here, and I'm going to make change in the, in the best way I can and be okay with things not looking. But who, who instead are going home from work, and it's, it's Groundhog Day. And my boss did it again, and my colleagues did it again, and I hate the place, and this, that, the other thing. And I really think about my wife's coaching here of like the do it, do what makes you happy in it. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a maybe there's a different a different move that those folks could make. I mean, those are the toughest positions uh, to to be in. And you're right. Like people get are, are stuck between like how do I pay bills and you know what what actually does make me happy. Um, Is that a thunder? A thunder. Yeah. Crack of thunder. I tried to time it with the lightning as a full thunderstorm happening, but I heard birds in your background, so we have two different worlds uh, going on. But that was a thunder thunder clap. There. I think that's indicative of our personalities, man. I'm sunshine. <laughs> I'm sunshine and cheery. You are doom and gloom. <laughs> um, I am just joking, of course. Antonio, what are you drinking, man? What are you having? Um, I have uh, just some wine. Uh, it's from a vineyard in, um, you know, courtesy of you, Long Island. Um, it's a nice red wine from a vineyard uh, called Duck Yard Vineyards in Long Island. It's really good, real, real streamlined. I, I figure I'll save the the real uh, party and drinking for when we connect. 
That's right. That's right. And I, I, uh, I, this is probably like the sixth or seventh episode in a row where I'm not drinking anything, but it's because I know we're going to get after it tomorrow and have a bunch of cocktails. Uh, we've already discussed that. And I will also say, I just got back, my family and I, we went away to the, the Poconos for uh, like a, a three or four day getaway. We haven't been away in, in ages. Um, and I had the best laid plans. And you know me, man, I am, I am a disciplined guy. When I say I'm doing something, I do it. Um, and I said, I'm not, we got, we, we, we went up there and I said, I'm not drinking tonight. I am, I'm going to party. I laid it out. These are the days I'm going to drink and eat poorly. These are the days I'm going to diet and work out. And within 10 minutes of getting to the, to the hotel, I am drinking Evan Williams bourbon out of the bottle because I'm so excited to be away. I'm so excited to be like, on a vacation that I just went off. Um, so I, I, I did wind up, I did wind up getting back on track after that. And I, 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 I did diet some of the time and I was a little bit healthy, but we're, I'm not drinking tonight, but we'll, uh, we'll get after it tomorrow. And I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Have you ever drank bourbon out of the bottle, Vance? Out of the bottle? No, sir. No. All right. All right. Do you think Sam Pan would allow that? I don't know many places that will outside of your home. <laughs> yeah, as my wife is staring at me as if I'm I'm a lunatic. Let's talk about success. And you do not achieve success by drinking bourbon out of the bottle. So only do it once a year in the Poconos um, with some people you love. Uh, I would I I want to we talk about this idea a lot, right? And, and by success. Now, I had a friend years ago who was like, hey, man, I just like, you know, not everybody's going to be a millionaire. There's got to be people who pump gas and there's got to be people who, you know, work at, at the convenience store. And I, I, I get that. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not talking and we're not talking here monetary success. What, I, what I'm talking about here is in your particular field yeah. or in the things you want to do. Being 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 as good at it as you can possibly be. And that. When I was younger, I thought, and I, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this. I thought that, I thought that Michael Jordan was just lucky, right? I thought he was just like, just born really good, and just a lucky dude, right? I, I thought that, thought that Mary Lou Retton. I'm, I'm probably dating myself by going back so many years, but I thought that Mary Lou, Lou Retton was just like, man, like she's a great gymnast, like man, she's lucky, right? Or that it was just like a set of circumstances. And the older I get, the more I am convinced, like to convinced to the point of like, uh, you cannot sway me off this belief that everything, everything is a, is a, is a, can be a tangibly taught skill from making millions of dollars, which doesn't mean that that's easy, but that, that, but that there is an actual way to do that to getting people to like you, right? To finding a partner who uh, you're compatible with, to starting a company, to, to that, that, that those things are as measurable and teachable as it, as it is to teach somebody how to make a, you know, a, 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 you know, um, 
a vodka, orange, and cranberry, right? And like, hey, one ounce of this, two ounces of this, that, that it's that, not that it's that easy, but that it's that tangible. Am I, am I crazy on that? Tell me what's on your mind. Well, I mean, I think there are some areas of success that, that folks um, can, and I think, again, like what you just said, like, what do you define um, as success? I mean, like, does that mean like you're an expert in your particular, you know, field? which, you know, I mean, when you talked about Michael Jordan and, and Mary Lou and all the athletes and folks that you thought are lucky, I've always thought like they just worked really freaking hard. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know if I'm willing to work that hard and like, do I want it that bad? Right. And so, I mean, like maybe success the way that, you know, a lot of folks is like, I'm the best at, you know, whatever, you know, that particular field is. We've talked about this before, um, you know, that quote from the outliers, right? Like it takes, what, 10,000 hours yeah. um, of practice um, to be an expert at something. So like, does that mean that you're successful at, you know, once you become an expert, you know, at something? I mean, I, I again, I think it's going to be like, what do you define as an expert? Or, you know, like, do you want to be an expert at it or do you want to be pretty good at it? Um, where, you know, I can't remember the author um it was in the the personal mba right mm, yeah like you know he said you know to be pretty good quote unquote i'm doing like the air quotes um that it takes 20 hours of practice you know to be pretty good at something that you didn't know before to, to that but does that mean you're successful yeah i mean you know for example i love tennis right yeah um, I play tennis and I watch it all the time and I see, you know, folks doing stuff that I like, technically I can look at them and say like, Oh, you know, that was a tweener. Um, this was a forehand slice, the inside and, um, add outs and backhand top spin lobs. Like I can see it, but I, I can't actually do that. I can go out and play, but like, if I'm able to do that, does that mean I'm successful at tennis? Um, I can define it. And I think, you know, this is a path that I know we're going to talk about today, but, you know, leaders and, and I'm bringing it back to like leaders and the work that we do. I think that folks define, you know, success. Like there's just two different worlds around like, what do you see and what do you conceptualize um, as success versus, you know, what do you actually do in practice and what can you actually accomplish? The point about the tennis players to me, is really interesting because, to your point, there is a best way to yeah. hit a backhand, a, a, a backhand lob, right? There is now, I mean, I think about serving in tennis and people have lots of different techniques, right? Um, but they're, they're pretty much the, like, I shouldn't say lots of different techniques. There are different styles. I remember, uh, and again, I'm going back here. I remember Boris Becker. Do you remember Boris Becker? Yeah, 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 of course. Boris Becker was like a, a prominent figure in my, my my when I was very young. My mom was a huge tennis a huge tennis fan, uh, but up until up until she passed, uh, she loved tennis. I remember watching Boris Becker serve, and that he had this violent motion where his entire body came off the ground uh, and he was you know, airborne at the time of hitting the ball. 
um, and and other players would their feet would be on the ground, uh, maybe like a Jimmy Connors or a John McEnroe. I'm going way back, um, but the 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 motion is still the same, right? And the and the techniques are are largely the same, and, and that's that's kind of the point of today's today's call. We're going to talk about schools in a second, but that there are best ways to yeah. do things, right? Yeah. And I think when it comes to things in schools, um, and even, you know, I've gotten some good feedback about the show, about informal observations that I've shared with you that some folks have shared that they, they almost like it as like a, not even education-wise, but just as like a, hey, uh, best practices for kind of, you know, just, I don't know, being a human, uh, I don't know, wise, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. But I think as we're talking, you're laughing at me. But I think as we're talking, like I, there are best practices in schools, best practices in just in general. I've I've joked around on previous episodes that people who have kids will be like, "There's no manual to raising kids." It's like bullshit. There are hundreds, and there are tried and true best practices, and not. Every single thing will work with every single child, but that, um, but that there are best practices to something like that that feels uh, more nebulous, yeah. and that there are there are actual techniques for, like remembering people's names. Um, I, I I saw a speaker. A, a couple of years ago, he's the like the world memory champion, and he, whenever he meets anybody, he puts their names into what he calls a memory palace. It seems exhausting to do this, but I guess for him it's a great technique. And he he for every he he comes up with like something about their about their name and some sort of visual. So he did it in front of us in the world. The first woman, he's like, "What's your name?" And she's like, "Annette," and he's like. Ah, that's too easy. I'm picturing you with a net over your head, right? But then there was a guy whose name was um, Dean. And he goes, you're a handsome guy. He's like, James Dean. He's like, and he drops it in to like his memory palace. And he's got a technique, a best technique. This guy can, he remembered pi to 10,000 places. 10,000. And he's got a, there's a technique for doing that. And so the reason why I bring it up is that Apparently, when you remember people's names uh, and you like call them by their name, that it makes them like you more. Do you know this? Well, I mean, not. I mean, I, I know that just personally. Right, you felt it, right? Dale, Dale Carnegie used to say yeah. that everybody's favorite word is their own name, yeah. and that if you call somebody by their name, if you meet somebody once and then see them a month later and then call them by their name, that they are like more apt to like like you. Um, and so there's like, like this, some of this stuff that feels, and by the way, like you and want to work with you and invest in your company. Um, and that there are all these different things that, that I know we're going to talk about schools in a second, but just like life in general, that a lot of stuff that I used to think was just like, some people are good at it or not. Some people are charming or not. Some people are. You know, they're good public speakers or not. And that there's actually that all this stuff is broken down into into best practices. 
But Michael, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about all of the reasons why people don't do these sort of things. Like that is absolutely exhausting um, to think about like, you know, the people whose names you have to remember, or if you're bored and want to remember pi to 10,000 place values, right? Like, and like, yeah, I could get out and practice how to do all of these tennis moves, but it's exhausting. And I'm like, I'm a pretty decent tennis player. I, I like have a decent memory uh, to remember folks' names. And um, I know pi to 3.14, and that's probably <laughs> good enough, you know? And so, like, you know, and I think, you know, as we think about, it's that argument again, right? Does that make me successful or not? Does that make me, you know, good enough um, or, you know, just enough? And I, I think about how we move through life, right? Like, there's a reason why I'm not like the, a tennis champion and, you know, on TV serving because I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to practice um, all that much to be, be an expert. I think that that's sort of that dividing line that, you know, could I be um, the very best at X or, I mean, the things that I am, that I think I'm an expert at um, in leadership, you're absolutely right. Like I, I practice and I worked hard and yeah. like, blood, sweat, and tears because I wanted it. I wanted to be a great school leader. So I had to put in um, that the, the hours of practice, the same that if I wanted to be an amazing um, amazing tennis player and have an amazing serve every single time. Right, but I think that there's a distinction there because you're not uh, a tennis player, right? Um, you're somebody who plays tennis, right? <laughs> but- Oh, thanks. Well, right. I mean, look. I from what you from what you've told me, you are very good. Um, I've I've played a little in my day, so maybe we'll get out there and uh, after a, after a few beers, we'll 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 we, we, we owe each other a race as well. That's right. That's right. We'll play tennis and then we'll race each other. And two morons in their forties um, acting like they're uh, eighteen. There, by the way, I went away for a couple of days. There are spiders in my office. I'm, I've already, I've already, uh, I've already uh, taken care of one, and there are two more. Um, there are two spiders. There's two more spiders here that need to get taken care of. Um, what did you say? You interview them for the podcast. They joined in. I am interviewing them for the podcast. Uh, we are, we are. This is the nature episode. We had birds and thunderstorms and spiders, and uh, and it's actually the rain's coming my way, man. It left you. It's on. It's on its way to me because I just heard the first the crack of thunder. Um, but 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 to your point, um, it, it probably you're, you're you're right. It, it is it is a lot, right? But it, it kind of gets me to my. Uh, kind of like the, the the reason why I asked us to talk about this tonight is that there are it's not like folks are not spending a ton of time on on whatever they do anyway, right? There are people listening to this who want to lose weight, who are trying actively to lose weight, and I'll bet that many of them have no idea how to do it. They are not consulting. They are not on a program. I'll bet that many of them have not, like, they, they, they haven't changed behavior, right? Like, there, there, there are people who give speeches all the time. I'm not talking about somebody who plays tennis for fun. 
which by the way, and I know you play in a league and all that stuff, but I'm not talking about like, there are people who give speeches all the time. We, 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 <laughs> we watch presenters, Antonio, oh, yeah. who are not good at it. What, well, there's a, there are, there's a way to do that more effectively than many people do it. And so when you think about anything, like, like think about like being a, being a better parent or a better partner or being a better school leader, right? That there are, that there are best practices to these things that there are actual like hacks. I'm not a big fan of that term. Cause to me, it's like, this like, I don't know, Gen Z thing or millennial thing that like everything's like a, you know, like not everything's a hack. You just like got to do something different. Right. They're like, but like w whether I like the term or not, but you know, so, so for you, I get why you're, you're not going to spend 40 hours a week getting better at tennis. Right. Um, but you should spend ample time on on your craft right or whatever it is that you say i want to do this at the highest level and so i think you're okay with right not being the best tennis player in the world right uh, and so but i i hope you want to be the best school leader coach in the world right and you do practice those those techniques right and you and i are constantly talking and we, we missed the mark often, but we're constantly talking about how can we make our approach better? We just had that conversation right before we got on this call. Yeah. And it's part of what we're going to be brainstorming at dinner tomorrow night. Um, yeah. What are you thinking, man? Michael, like this is, this is hard to do, right? And it's yeah. this idea of like intellectually understanding something, right? So for the, the, the person that you just mentioned that wants to lose weight, right? They'll say like, oh, well, I know I need to exercise and I need to eat right. Right. How to do that. I know I can watch the best tennis players in the world and say, oh, I want to get my serve better. I need to do that. I want that hand to be this. I need to do that. Right. And there's this gap that people fall into this dissonance of like intellectually understanding a skill and actually practicing and developing it. And that is the hard work. It is that, and it's, it's actually that practice, that getting feedback, redefining it, and then practicing it again, that makes that difference. And I think that that is that, the, the gap that you're illuminating here is that, you know, we all like sort of have this idea of how things should do, but it's actually like doing the hard work. I mean, losing weight is really hard. Like, yeah, I can yeah. exercise, I wanna eat right, but like, what does that really mean? And what does that really take to actually do that? And I, I mean, that is directly transferable to the work that we do every day with leaders. Um, they know what, we know what the practices are, but it's like, how do we get folks to actually do that hard work, that practice, take feedback, refine, practice again, mm. do it again, get feedback, refine, practice it again to become the, the folks that, that they really want to be. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I agree. It's uncomfortable. I, I do think it's multi-layered, though. I think that there are some places where folks know the thing. Yeah. There, are, there are, of course, places where folks know the thing and they do the thing, right? And that's your, that's your, your Richard Branson's and your Oprah Winfrey's and your, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, your, 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 your Phil Jackson's and like, like the, 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 those are like, and 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 name a, a million different fields, right? 
they're the folks who know the thing and they do the thing, by the way, and they may only do it in one area. Um, you're, you're talking about, we're talking about weight here. Oprah has been struggling with her weight, but then this is not me saying this. This is her saying this, being very vocal about it. She's been working on her weight for what, 30 years, 40 years. So like, she's a great example of somebody who's, who knows the thing in one area and nails it probably in, in, in a dozen areas and probably knows the thing in another area and struggles there. So there are the people who know the thing and nail the thing. Then there are the people who, who I think you're talking about, at least in part, who know the thing um, and, and struggle to do the thing. Yeah. But then I think that there's like a third group who don't even know that there is a thing. Oh, and I say that with all because we're talking about, you know, I, I use the example earlier of like, like to remember somebody's name. Um, and I, I read an article. This was a different this was a different conversation. But years ago, I read an article about like why you go to a party and two seconds after you've met everybody, you can't remember anybody's name. You know, like you ever do that? You're like, hi, I'm Michael. And they're like, so-and-so, hi, I'm Michael. And then you're like, you're like, I have no idea what anybody's name is. And there's actually some science behind it, which is around like your bandwidth to remember new things. You don't actually think it's very important, right? Because it's like, it feels like a low stakes interaction. So your brain doesn't actually turn on where it's like when you're going in for a job interview and it's like, hi, I'm Miss So-and-so, I'm going to be interviewing you. You remember that because it's like, it really matters, right? Um, and then the last one is that there's no actual, we don't have like a formalized way of remembering. Like the guy I mentioned who has this, the memory palace thing. Um, but I'll bet that most people listening to this right now aren't in, in, most people, not all, but most people are like, huh, I don't even know. It's important to remember people's names. And I didn't even realize that I forget people's names all the time, two seconds after I meet them, or if I have realized that I've never really thought about it. And I didn't know that there was like an actual technique or probably a dozen techniques to actually doing that. And so if we think about schools, um, you know, there's certainly the folks who like know the thing, but like don't do the thing. There are also some folks who I think don't don't know what the thing what the thing is um, in some in some cases. And, and I think, um, you know, we um, as the pandemic started, uh, a handful of schools just as tough as it was, they nailed it. Schools shut down on March 13th. I, I, I know a handful of schools, you know them too, who had a, a virtual program going on March 16th. Um, that's staggering. And we showed some of their teachers teaching to some other partner schools uh, to be like, hey, check this out. Check out what's going on. This is like, man, we're, this is like April of 2020 when nobody knows what's going on, when you're like, you know, you're not even like people are not even going outside at this point. Right. And I remember that so many of the reactions from people were like, well, the, the, the you know, the kids in, the, in that school are well behaved. That's yep. it's our kids aren't. You know, like without even realizing that there's like a there's a, there are things that this school did. I'm thinking about one in particular, which, by the way, is a school in North Philly that is on the border of two like rival gangs. This is not an exact, like the, the principal said to me once, he goes, Michael, a lot of people say that 
their school is in a, in a war zone and they're, they're exaggerating. He's like, this is a generational gang war that's, that goes on right in our neighborhood. They've, they've, they've had in this school, they've had, there, there was a, I mean, they've had multiple, multiple people killed right outside the doors, but you know, not all that long ago, a, 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 a person was shot. They, they dragged the, the person inside the building and, and, and helped this person until the police came. And I don't say that to sensationalize what's happening at the school. What I'm trying to share is that this is a tough, as tough a neighborhood as there is in our whole country. And the people there are great at doing what it takes to get kids to see the value in the work, to set really clear expectations for students, to support the heck out of them and reaching them, to shout them out when they get there, to redirect them supportingly when they don't. And that there's like a how there that I'm not sure that everybody's aware exists. Yeah, Michael, how, uh, you know what I'm thinking, like how do you know what you don't know? That's right. <laughs> That's right. How do you know what you don't know? I don't know. I, I think part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode is because I hope that people listening, I mean, I am, I am, it's impossible to convince me otherwise here that every single thing on earth, like, like the, I had a tree cut down at my house, not all that long ago. I watched these, uh, they were all men. So I watched these dudes cut this thing down. I thought I was watching a, 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 a ballet. Uh, it was this flawless, synergistic, uh, the, the most precise. Uh, the, some guys are up 50 feet high. They are in constant communication. Yep. Right. They are. They have ropes strapped to every branch. The branch gets cut. They pull it in a direction where it's not going to land on my house, not going to land on my fence, not going to land on any of them. And it's an actual art, man. It's an actual it's it's a I don't know. Maybe it's I don't know, art, science. I know that there's a debate about those two things. So maybe you don't know what you don't know, Antonio. I hope that the people listening to this. I hope that they believe what I believe. And I don't even know if you believe this. So I'm going to ask you in a second. I hope yeah. that they believe what I believe that every single thing that they're trying to do on a daily basis, right? Is it can be can be figured there's there's a best way to do it or multiple best ways. Is that a question? Kind of. Yeah, absolutely. I do believe that. I oh, think thank goodness. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I would have hit pause and we would end. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, I welcome disagreement as I know you do. There, there is, and especially in the work that we do, there are best practices. There are ways. And I think that the, the thing that we run up against often is, um, you know, folks often, you know, I think about leaders that I've worked with, you know, that, that are experienced and, and their sort of reluctance to take that path of yeah. the best practice. And, you know, I've, I've worked with countless leaders who will do that, but then when things get tough and get that, that pressure, they start to revert to the old habits. And yeah. so, and, and I think like that's the constant battle 
um, that, that we think about in leadership development and as we coach um, folks to develop is that there are best practices. There are ways to solve every single um, you know, issue, problem that arises and ways to even think about and, and, and curtail them before they even happen. Um, and so like the fact of like, you know, the question I say, like, how do you know what you don't know? You know, every leader we work with has a goal, has a vision. Um, yeah. So like, th that is what you need to know. That is the, that, that's where you want to go. And there's a way to get there. There's a best way to get there. Um, and it's, you know, plotting that path and sticking to it. Um, so, I mean, the, the question was sort of rhetorical, obviously, you know, how do you know what you don't know? But in the work we do in the, and regardless if you're in education or not, you know what your job looks like at the optimal condition. And yes. So you, you, you know what that is, you know what that looks like. And so how do you get there? There is a way, and I, I agree with you that, you know, that there, there's a way and you just have to figure it out and follow the practices. There's, there's not too many things out there where um, humans haven't figured out what some of the best practices are. Yeah, and I, th I think, and this speaks to some of the problem that we're trying to solve at Skyrocket, is that in so many places there's a, there is a development vacuum uh, where bosses are not making their employees better. They are not actively trying to do this. They, in many cases, don't even know how. Uh, those people are not being made better by their bosses. Um, who are, again, are not actively trying to do that and in a lot of cases don't know how. Um, and on and on, up that chain and down that chain, there is this development vacuum. But to your point, I think that's a really interesting one, is that folks know what, the op what optimal performance looks like. And if they don't, they at least know what they're trying to accomplish because I imagine there are a lot of people, I mean, we showed, we showed that example of the school in that, in North Philly, um, who was nailing the, the pandemic, pandemic teaching very early on. Um, even if, um, even if the people watching that video didn't know up until that point, what optimal was that video let them see it and if you've seen optimal right then 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 the question has to become how well, what do i have to do to get there or yep. how did what did they do to get there and I, I really want to encourage people not to think that it's just because they like lucked out or yep. because like the stars aligned or yep. that's just like the kids there are different it's not you've worked all over the world. I've worked all over this country. Kids are exactly the same everywhere. Yeah. 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 Michael, that is, I mean, it, it, when I talk about, are, are you killing a, a, a spider right now? <laughs> I just, I just tried to kill a spider. <laughs> he escaped. Oh, no, you're creeping me out. That's going to like croak. <laughs> crawl across the screen or camera. Oh my God. Um, you know, like in, in, in most jobs, uh, folks know um, what, you know, optimal uh, will look like. And I think, you know, you're just making me think in, in sports and uh, your jobs, regardless of what it is, um, 
how do you create that path? And I love this. I mean, you're, this is actually something I'm going to add to my little board of quotes, right? Like stop making excuses um, for success, that, that there's a path um, to get there, that there's a route um, to get there. So I, I appreciate that push uh, for us to really start to think about it's not just by luck or by chance that there's a path, that there's a route um, um, to get there. And uh, and do you hear me? Can you hear me right now? Oh yeah, great. Um, the the thing that um, the thing that really um, resonates is 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 really sticking out to me uh, here. When I became an instructional coach, I've never told you this story, but when I became an instructional coach, I was, uh, and within one network, um, then charged with going to all the other, uh, schools in the network and, um, coaching teachers there and working closely with those leadership teams. And that's actually how you and I first met as I was coaching at, at a school where you were a leader. Yep. And I remember uh, one of my real challenges personally was um, not to become super defensive about the school that I'd come from or super protective about the school that I'd come from. We were at the time the highest performing school in the entire network by, by every, every or, or at least over by, by, by an overwhelming majority of, of objective measures. Um, and there was certainly like a reputation we had. Uh, and not everybody loved us because of that. And I remember being in a leadership team meeting after I'd left that school and I was at a leadership team meeting of another school who had just visited my old school. And I remember biting my tongue and I did. Um, because they had just done a, a visit of my old school and were basically like, yeah, um, looks amazing, but uh, we don't really see mm. what, what they did to make it amazing, right? And, and basically they were chalking it up to like, again, what we're talking about here, which is um, it's luck uh, or like the stars aligned. And I had to bite my tongue because it wasn't the role I was in right then. And certainly I wasn't going to blow up a principal spot in front of her whole staff. But what she missed there was the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of planning and execution and teamwork and feedback to get to a point where it looked like this was all very easy. Um, from everything, man. You know, you're not supposed to, do you sleep with your phone next to you at night? Um, you mean like direct? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I fall asleep with my phone in my hand probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty close. And yeah. I mean, you're not, you know, you're not supposed to. Right. And like, I don't know. It's like, it's like bad. Like it doesn't give you, it doesn't let you rest. Who, who said that? What's that? Who said that? I don't know. Somebody I read, <laughs> but, but my, my point, like there's a, like, you're not supposed to fall asleep with your TV on, right. You don't get like, you don't get into REM sleep yeah. 
as easily with the distraction in the background. And it's like the, 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 whatever it is, the ultraviolet light of your phone doesn't allow you to, to relax in the same way that you would. You're supposed to actually leave your phone in another room. Uh, or at least that's what I was reading recently. And like from having a great school to getting a good night's sleep, right. To like, to, to, to making a, a speech in front of a thousand people to, to, you know, shaking somebody's hand or, or learning somebody's name at a, at a party in passing that, that really everything's broken down into, into that there's a how for everything. Um, and I think, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's just such a fascinating conversation because I bet that if you took somebody name, name a really rich, really rich and successful person. Uh, let's go with, um, let's go with the Amazon guy who's going to space soon. <laughs> Wait, Jeff Bezos is going to space? Yeah. I know that, uh, Elon Musk is going to space. Jeff Bezos too. Yeah, he's headed to space. <laughs> what are your thoughts? By the way, as someone with a science background, do you think that's as stupid as I think it is? Uh, yeah. Especially on like, on like your own personal. That's like if I go out and buy a spacecraft. I'm like, come on, Mike, like let's go. I'm like, no, I want to go on a spacecraft that's been tested and standard operating procedures for you know decades. Um, but hey, I'm sure he'll be fine as long as I get my packages. It's all good. I feel like um, I, I wonder if people felt this way about like Magellan. <laughs> and like, because for me, it's like Elon Musk. I didn't know about Jeff Bezos, but I'm like, dude, there are so many problems that you can help solve here on Earth. And maybe he does. I don't know about his philanthropy, but like, like, I don't I just don't feel like we need to know a lot about like Mars. I just I don't and, and I don't know. There are people a thousand times smarter than me who would probably disagree. I just feel like, dude, solve problems here on Earth. It reminds me a lot of our skyrocket approach. Why are we trying to like go to Mars when like we can't, we can't like we have starving children. You know what I mean? Very interesting question. We'll talk about that offline. But anyway, to take Jeff Bezos, I'm convinced that if you took Jeff Bezos, you gave him a face, you gave him a facial transplant. If that's the thing, I've seen the movie face off with Travolta and Nicolas Cage. You gave him a brand new face. You got rid of his fingerprints you changed his name, you changed his social security number, and you told, and you gave him, you took all his money and you gave him $10,000 and said, you are not allowed to use any contacts. You are not allowed to say, hey, it's me, it's Bezos. Can you loan me 10 million while I start this new business? Right, like, I, like you're not allowed to do any of that. You just, you have $10,000. I would, I would bet you money that in a year that person's a multimillionaire because he's figured out how to do it. And and I believe that there's a there's a that for for the like there's a there's a way to cook spaghetti, <laughs> there's a way to there's a way to build a spaceship, there's a way to there's a way to there's a way to engage people in your presentations. That there's a way to do everything. Well, we shall see. We got to get the best practices for school leaders and make them the absolute best we can because we know the formula. Well, I think we know a formula. I don't know that we always that we know all the formulas, but we know a formula. Um, anyway, man, 
thanks for the chat today. We talked almost we talked almost uh, entirely about things other than schools. If you're an educator listening to this and you're angry with us, direct all your um, hate mail to Antonio Vance at WeWillSkyrocket.com. If it doesn't have the password in it, I'm not going to read it. So you have to have the password. Um, in the-, the password is Goldschlager. Here's a question. Do you think that we can find anywhere in Philadelphia tomorrow who would serve us, who would have even have Goldschlager? I'm, I'm sure, but who? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm not having any. No, no, no none for you? No, no, no. Okay. Addicts, bad memories. <laughs> yeah, who am I kidding? I'm not going to have any either. Uh, I'll drink some Evan Williams out of the bottle. I'm excited to see you tomorrow, man. Um, friends, thanks for listening. Episode 13 of Informal Observations for Dr. Antonio Vance. I'm Michael Sombert. Tune in next time. Until then, keep on rocking. You just listened to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Sign up for our mailing list at wewillskyrocket.com and tune in to our next episode.